Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Public Access America. we got a great show in store for you, and we are just waiting for Jeffrey. So in the meantime, I just wanted to let you know that you can go ahead and follow Public Access America on Instagram. If you follow the link on our profile page, you're going to find links to all of Public Access America's great shows like Denton County Collective, Adam Has a Beard, Public Access America, Florida Action Podcast, and even the unsigned countdown. You can join us on Facebook at Public Access America or any of those pages to find live stream events. That's so exciting. So go ahead and follow Public Access America, Denton County Collective, Adam Has a Beard, or the Florida Action Podcast on Facebook to go ahead and find out when the next live stream is. It's pretty exciting. It's live, and it's additional content that you would not normally see. So thank you for listening to Public Access America. We're going to get to my favorite theme song, and then we're going to get into the discussion. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who is taking donations from the NRA, shame on I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believed them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if you're going to figure out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, it didn't happen. Here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless us. And may God bless us. Boom. Too excited about the idea of a civil war, you know, on some (laughs) aspects. And I'm like, you realize that your way of life would come crashing down, right? Right. I told somebody, I was like, yes, the government will burn. I will burn before you, but you will burn slightly after me. (laughs) Right. Exactly. 
So it's like, we gotta, we gotta stop that crap. Yeah. And I think like when you're renovating a house, you don't, you don't burn it to the ground and start new. You start inside, you start small, you start with the things that you can fix and you work your way up. You know, unless, unless it's a complete remodel or, 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 you know, really you've got to fix some massive damage Mm. and it's, you strip it down to the studs. And, you know, really the studs are the constitution of the United States. And I don't see everything as, as needing to be stripped down to the studs, (laughs) but there's quite a few things that have to be. I think so too, but I think we can start. And that's what we're discussing this week a little bit, by the way. Hello, everybody in public access, American land. We're talking about smaller government because I think, I think what we can do start with those small projects and look at our commissioners, our mayors, our sheriffs, you know, and see what they're doing. We don't have to attack them, but what we can do is monitor them and then feel if we, if we like them, decide whether we like them or not. So Mm -hmm. say for Florida action podcast, Sierra vets these politicians in community zooms. So she'll get community leaders like the atheists, like the, uh, you know, the poorer community, the black community, mm-hmm. and even the Christian community. And we will talk to these guys about the things that matter to us. And then, so Denton County Collective, I've gone ahead and taken their Twitter and I followed every Texas politician on the list, you know, and then we're going to monitor them and we're going to find good politics. We just found a good politician. I just posted it on Denton County collective. A judge in Texas is recommending that we wear masks and social distance until we get the vaccine. I was like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is this? This is Texas. This is a judge in Texas. I like this guy, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's, that's being, being the analyst that I am, you know, one of the things that we've constantly done in the political realm and in the, you know, with any of our elected officials is, is that we go based on what they say. And then the question of, you know, did they get it done? We ask right when it's time for reelection. And I feel like, Mm -hmm. I feel like number one, that sets us up instead of being proactive about holding them accountable. We're in a system right now where everything is reactive. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about everything that we're doing right now, you know, the issue regarding George Floyd is a reactive issue. The issue Mm. with Breonna Taylor is a reactive issue. Mm. And, and that is problematic because, you know, we're, we're asking these people to take up these mantles as soon as they get into office. And then we're either waiting until election day to hold them accountable, or we're waiting until something massively fucked up happens. Right. And, and, you know, if as a business person, as a data analyst, if your measurement is at the end of a time period or when something goes wrong, you're doing this wrong because, because you have to be proactive in your approach to making sure that whatever it is you've set out to do is getting done. Hmm. And you do that through, you know, the the process of ongoing monitoring. I agree. So, that's what November fourth is. November fourth is the beginning of the monitoring process. I mean, right. granted, they're not going to be in. They're. I would. I would call it implementation. So, like for example, because I'm. I do contracting stuff, and I'm an analyst. Mm. You know, 
the RF, you know, to go at it from a business perspective, the election is the RFP. It's like, what is your proposal for America? What are we going to do? And from there, you know, we vote yay or nay. And once we voted for these people, up until the time they take office, that's implementation. That's them getting their people together. That's them sure. getting their working stuff together. And from a contracting and analyst perspective, what we need to be doing is we need to be setting up independent sites that allow us to measure all of the things that they've said that they're going to do, get mm -hmm. them involved in the process. So that way we can visually see as a people, have you accomplished what it is you said you're going to do? Right. And then that way, you know, somebody, you know, I, I, I mean, I know the technical side of setting stuff up like that, but there are people that are a lot better and a lot smarter at it than I am mm. um, in terms of being able to do it on the web. Like I, I can tell you how to write the analytics. That's easy. Right. Right. But being able to sit down and have that list of, you know, here's all the things that you said you're going to accomplish. Here are all the things that, you know, here's you saying, yes, this is the list. And here is us saying, okay, we're going to monitor you to see if you get this stuff done. And mm. as a people, we should have that power to sit That's down right. and be like, okay, well, it's like, well, we got 70% of the way there on this. There was, you know, some roadblocks. It was going to take a little bit longer than we expected, but hey, you know what? That's, that's life. In a project management world, if it ever runs on time and under budget, you found a unicorn because it's mm -hmm. either going to be, it's either going to take longer than you expected it to, or it's going to cost more than you expected it to. Yeah. Under time and under budget is most of the time usually a crap job. But I think... I think people get overwhelmed with that by saying November 4th, we have to, we have to nail it. That's just when we start and that's when we just start paying attention, but we don't have to pay attention to everybody. I think if we all just pick a politician to follow, a, a commissioner to monitor, to talk to, to reach out to, to be a friend on Facebook with, and yes, there's, there's times when they will try and accomplish something and there will be a roadblock, but I think... Mm -hmm us monitoring that allows us to say what's the roadblock how can we help you remove that so we can get what we want and that's what the monitoring is yes your mayor might not be doing what you want but that be could be because there's five people on a on a you know nine commissioner board and they're they, the mayor's being overruled you know right and, in our town, the mayor is just a commission member. And so mm -hmm. he only really has one vote and our mayor is crap and we deserve a better mayor. But the truth is, is that that's what we do. We, we, we monitor their finances. We see where their money is coming in, but we don't do that for everybody yet. You know, we start slow. We pick one person and from that person, we might see a tweet from another person and another person. And that's how that's how the world works. We don't, we don't clean everything at once. We clean the sink, we clean the dishes, you know, we, we clean the floor and we, we make these steps to clean up. And I think if everybody's doing that and communicating, instead of saying, I hate you because you like Trump, just be like, Hey, guess what Curtis did? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Did Curtis do that? Cause Angela did this. And, and it goes on like that. And those should be the discussions that we're mm -hmm. having. If, if we care, if we care, right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, really it's, you know, getting, you know, figuring out what the best ways to hold people accountable is going to be crucial coming forward. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, luckily, you know, 
we've advanced into a time period where we can look back at a politician's tweets or statuses or stories and and it's like hey you said that you know if you got elected this was the thing you were going to tackle why mm-hmm. why are you why are you not doing that you know and then you know we've got to get better about getting a you know, I would say a good reason as to why things are not being done. And that comes from our politicians being more willing to be open about the process and and the roadblocks that they're facing. Mm-hmm. I think as, as human beings, we all get into that rut of, we don't want to fail. So if we just don't talk about it and don't address it, then we didn't fail. Right. And really, I, I, I take the Teddy Roosevelt approach is that the worst thing you can do is nothing. You know, That's right. You know, even if you get it wrong, you at least learn something. I agree. All right. Hi, Sierra. Sorry about that. Okay, we will wait till she is unmuted. Sierra is, she's the host of the Florida oh, Action Podcast. I'm here. Hi, Sierra. Hello. Sierra is the host of the Florida Action Podcast, and she's actually, she showed me like the model to do what we're, we're talking about holding local candidates, you know, responsible, accountable, the transparency in that and everything. And what we're talking about is not starting with every politician at once, but maybe getting a group together and picking politicians you know like like sports like people we like in sports or actors and just following them on twitter and facebook seeing what they're saying seeing what they're promising and then seeing what they're delivering and you have you have a lot of experience on that so if there's any tips on how to start that you know where did you where do you start which politician did you pick to start or was it just thrown into the pile i mean for me it started like I don't know a year and a half ago with me just like casually bullying the mayor, um, because, <laughs> or maybe maybe not, maybe a year, but um, definitely after everything with George F- Floyd and the civil rights movement that started, you know, in America, like our mayor like hasn't done anything or said anything, and like a lot of his like. Um, they're very showy. Like he, you know, he's, he's a very, he's very much of a like fake ally where he's like, Oh, I painted a black lives matter on the road for you. Oh, but I won't fire the police chief that allowed for his officers to murder three black men this year in less than five months. (laughs) You know, that's why we have to hold them accountable and pay attention to them. mm -hmm, right? Absolutely. mm -hmm. Hey, Sierra, this is Jeffrey, by the way. He's my host on uh, Public Access America. Hi, Jeffrey. Howdy, Sierra. How's it going? Pretty good. Mm. How are you? Fantastic. It's 7 o'clock in the morning, and I got a fresh cup of coffee. Nice. <laughs> I'm about to go vote. Um, Yay. Nice. Yeah. Go vote. Let's do the vote. voting. I love it. And yep. I, I, I want to let you know, Sierra, you put out a list of the recommended candidates you know, that mm-hmm. you recommended. And mm-hmm. I swear I have had about 20 people say, can I get that list? Could you find nice. that? Nice. Message me that list. Nice. You know, we need, to, we need to know who to vote for. And people can do the process or they can depend on people like us to, mm-hmm. to monitor it. But again, we don't all have the same values. Like we, we know a girl, Devin, and she's 
part of the atheist community and I think she's awesome and great and maybe we don't have the same the same objectives so Devin mm-hmm. might say you know why are you why are you reacting to this when I should when you should be reacting mm-hmm. to that that's what that's what the you do these vetting sessions and they're freaking amazing I was watching a, this vetting session and Sierra was like so you're a Republican. You supported Trump. You voted for Trump. You must be a fascist. And he's like, I'm not a fascist. Like everybody in the group was like, but you are, you're a fascist. You're a fascist. And he was like, I'm done with this. And I was like, I love this. You know, (laughs) I was like, well, you're at least okay with fascism. Like if you voted for him and planned to do it again. Um, (laughs) you know, to me, the, the, the greatest thing that I've seen is watching Republicans be like, yeah, no, I couldn't vote for Trump. Like you got mm-hmm. one who voted for dead Reagan. Romney came out and said, yeah, no, I didn't vote for Trump. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like, yeah. It's really good. It's it, to me, it's nice to see that there are people within the conservative party willing to buck that. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that shows some promise that, you know, even from their value standpoint, that it's, that is definitely not anything close to their values and they refuse to support it. You know, I can disagree mm-hmm. with someone who looks at that value set and goes, this is all wrong. Here's my value set. And, and I can have a conversation with someone like that very rationally. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And I think especially when it comes to local uh, issues, but also like in general, I've noticed that there seems to be like six parties going on here where you have on the left, you have, you know, your moderate Democrats, like Jeb Bush era, just like establishment mm. Dems. And then you have, you know, your progressive Democrats. They're, they're, they're progressive. And then you have your like leftists. Mm-hmm. And then on the right, you have the Trump cult. Mm-hmm. And then you have the moderate Republicans, like Jeb Bush era, like the elite, you know, and then you have libertarians. Mm-hmm. And um, I think in a lot of ways, the libertarians and the leftists and the progressives, you know, they are all, they can all agree on a lot of issues. And yep. I think that's really unique because what we see happening, especially in Tallahassee, is that there is this like, coming together to like overthrow the establishment Democrats and Republicans because Mm -hmm. they're essentially the same thing. Like our mayor is a Democrat, but that doesn't mean shit. Like Mm -hmm. he, you know, he gets Republican money. He like, they're all the same people. So it's, it's become in Tallahassee, like a, are you taking developer money? Are you taking like the money from the banks? Who pays you? Mm -hmm. And, that's the difference. And we had uh, a woman named Jack Porter in a huge upset win against the establishment back bankrolled by the developers incumbent. And that's because the people came together to vote for her on all sides. So mm-hmm. I think there's a shift happening and I'm hopeful. We'll see. Well, that's, that's one of the things that I've said, you know, cause I tend to fall more on the libertarian spectrum is, is that mm-hmm. a lot of the, the progressives and, and some of the leftists, I agree with where they want the end goal to be. I just don't mm-hmm. necessarily agree with the methodology, right. mm-hmm. you know, 
and so let's start there. We we have the same goal. Let's just figure out how do we get there where, you know, we're not the ones that are being backed by a bunch of dark money and a bunch of right. creepy right. corporations that, you know, have, you know, p- you know, put up pride flags and said Black Lives Matter. But then, you know, about four weeks later, when it's time for the next ad cycle to come down, it just goes away like that. And yep. you're back to the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. And I think that's what we're doing. We're we're telling everybody the marathon that we're going to start the marathon on November 4th, but we need to like gather and get ready and do our stretches and stuff for this. And that just means that means paying more attention to your local government. And I swear to mm-hmm. God, if you start reading the tweets of your local <laughs> local officials, <laughs> you're going to be like, what? <laughs> and that's the thing. You have to weed out you find the good and you promote them and you say, we like what you're doing and the bad, we get them out of the way so that we can get somebody good in there. Like a Jack Porter that's going, it's like uh, filling out your fantasy football team. You know, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. got a crappy quarterback, get a new quarterback. You got a crappy wide receiver, go and go and look at the candidates and right. find somebody that's better. And that Kelly Ate, you know, mm-hmm. Brown, you know, um, these people that we've talked to, even the people that have lost, like Andy, Andy Thomas, the public defender, they're amazing people. And we want people to know that that's what we're supporting. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, you know, I find it, I find it very obnoxious that it's almost as if the establishment like gaslights people because they're like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, like why, what, like they make it seem like I'm radical and people Mm -hmm. are radical for asking them to do their jobs. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I don't, I don't understand this, you know, because we all learned in middle school that the representatives are supposed to represent the people. So here, I'll, I'll, I'll simplify this one for you, Sierra, because apparently we're all crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the answer is, is, is that we don't pay them. So that's why they don't listen to us. I mean, mm-hmm. they like, they love our vote. We just ain't got the money. I did this form with the mayor and, you know, he was like, I was asking him about his bundle donations and he's like, oh, well, you know, I don't do everything the Gasvinis tell me. Like I had to tell them, he, you know, I had to say, oh, even though I took your money, like, I can't vote with you on this vote. And, <laughs> and I felt really bad. And I was like, okay, how do I make you feel that bad when you don't do what I want you to do? And he was right. like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> And like, <laughs> you know, like, <clears throat> and he just, it was bad. It was bad. He, he didn't understand. And even we did, a, <laughs> we did an episode called, I like my Curtis Richardson grilled. And Sierra mm-hmm. asked him about the bundled donations. And he was like, well, Sierra, I don't take, I don't take, well, you know, it's legal. <laughs> That's okay. not the point. That's I not mean, the technically point. the Holocaust was legal. That right. doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> But right. maybe, maybe right. money has less influence on you than the people. And if you're not talking to the people, but you're seeing the money, then that's what you're paying attention to. Right. I, just, I think they see their job as an expansion of government or to reap the rewards of their position. I don't think mm-hmm. they see their job as your advocate. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too, is because they think, you know, they're playing the game because, like, 
um, you know, the system is so corrupt and they're trying to do their best within the system. Mm -hmm. And we're like, we can change the system. Like, y'all are aware of that, right? And they're like, what? Like, Mm -hmm. shocker, you can change the system that exists, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're you're taxing the whole community, which includes the others, the south side of town, which is the African-American majority, and mm-hmm. you're not dumping resources back into their community. And so when you see it from that standpoint that people are getting taxed, but they're not getting the rewards of those taxes, even when it comes to basic infrastructure, like right. roads, or, right. or, or you see them siding with the developer to take your land away and, mm-hmm. and raise your property taxes with no consideration of the people in that community, you start to mm-hmm. realize that there's something unfair. And I know that we're three white people talking about this, but that is because African Americans don't get the voice that we get. So if we don't, if we don't take their voice and amplify this and do things for them, it will never be done. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And Moreover, it's a class issue, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, because they, the establishment just does things that hurts the working class. And because of systematic racism, you know, uh, being not having class privilege is also tied to race Mm -hmm. because of redlining Mm -hmm. and all these other things. But what it really is, is it's a class issue and they don't care about the middle and lower class and we are their things to use, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and what we need really need, <laughs> yeah, is for the working class to come together and be like, no, mm-hmm. we're a big voting block. We're going to go with these people. Yep. And I've, I've consistently said that, you know, it's uh, while the white, you know, while our white population, like, growing up poor, I know how bad it sucks. I don't know how bad it sucks being poor as a person of color. Right. But I, I can tell you that that the system ain't exactly friendly to uh, white poor people either. And that's really, that's, and, and when you start to look at it, I mean, even there have even been some great black voices out there that have said it, you know, I, I think it was Ice-T that said it with body count. He's like, but when you boil it down to the low down, dirty ass truth, they don't give a fuck about anybody who's poor. Yep. That's right. Yep. That, Charles Barkley said it. It's not black or white. It's green or red. How much you have in your account. Exactly. And, and Martin and Luther King that, started saying stuff like that right before they killed him. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's about how much money you have. And mm-hmm. what, they, what they know is, is that they need all the money that they can get, but it don't matter how much money you got when the vote is what you need to get into office. And until exactly. you can start actually buying votes, which <laughs> people try, mm. you know, it's people who find themselves constantly on the poor end of the spectrum have to realize it doesn't matter if your, your party is Republican or Democrat, they court you long enough to get your vote. And then they shove you out yep. the door with a middle finger saying, don't call me. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. And what, we really have to realize is that we have the power here. You know, we have the vote. We're the ones in control. They work for us. We don't work for them. And I think if people start adapting that mindset, then things are going to change because people have kind of a apathetic mindset of, Oh, well, I can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. No, you 
you can. The way I see it is there's hundreds of people trying and maybe, maybe if I just start as well, it's going to start something bigger. It'll put it in another bracket and it'll be more people that care. And I think right. like um, Barack Obama said it yesterday, in fact, he said, a vote doesn't change everything instantly, but it does make things initially better. And, mm-hmm. and I think, yeah, I mean, I go back to football because when you're trying to create a good team, not every you got to go a whole year with those wide receivers. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then when the draft comes up, you're looking ahead going, ooh, I hope they get this guy. I hope they get this guy. And I wish we would take that mindset into politics and say, mm-hmm. I don't like this guy. Who's coming up that I like better? And start a year or two before. Mm-hmm. You know, like Sierra, mm-hmm. Sierra had some friends, and they're progressives. They're Bernie supporters, and they felt that they should – walk out of the Democratic Party to prove a point before the election. And Sierra and I were both like, no, you know, like maybe change it from the inside, but start after the election. Start mm-hmm. building something after the election. Don't, don't like Jeffrey said, don't be reactive a month before the election. Be proactive right. a, I think be proactive right. a month after. And I think like come November 4th, what needs to happen is, is that, you know, like I was, like I was saying is, is that, the RFP is the election coming from a business and analytics perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, once we approve what the RFP is, you know, then it's about implementation. And part of that implementation has to be setting up some type of visual metric that shows, mm-hmm. you know, this is what the candidate says that they're going to do. And we start tracking them over the right. course of their time yep. because, because, yep. We shouldn't be playing this game of, well, where did they land, you know, when we're right. a month out or less from the next election? And, and really, mm-hmm. we've got to be applying pressure, you know, after, you know, after they're in office for six months, after they're in mm-hmm. office for a year, 18 months, 24 months, yep. and not letting up until, you know, it's either clear that they're not working for us, mm-hmm. like they're supposed to be doing, or they are, and they're just coming up against some roadblocks where they need our help. Right. And, and, and the other, yeah. And oh, the other thing, too, is that, um, you know, there's no reason that people can't just start writing policy. Corporations do it all the time, and they say, hey, yep. here's this bill I need you to pass. And then they do. So. We can absolutely do that. We can lobby for ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, um, and there's no reason we can't do that. Um, mm-hmm. So people should, you know, once the election happens, it's not over. You know, that's when the real work begins. That's, that's when exactly. you say, hey, I voted for you. Do what I want you to do, motherfucker, or else, yeah. you know. And I think mm-hmm. we all, like you said, react to the newspaper headline that says this mm-hmm. was enacted. And Sierra's over there. She's monitoring commission meetings. So when it's an inception, when it's a thought, when it's first brought up, Sierra's like, wait, what? No. Right? And so we're catching that and we're stopping it. She stopped something pretty major with Brian Desolage doing some, trying to pull some shady shit. Shady shit. And she was involved and she she got like 80 people to go to the commission meeting to stop it. And that every, every person is a dollar. And you think to yourself, the more people you get with that policy, the more they're going to listen to you. 
Well, that wasn't all me. People showed up um, to the commission <laughs> meeting because they were outraged because TPD like arrested 14 people and like mm -hmm. dragged young people and beat them up and like took like riot gear and like dogs and everyone was outraged, you know, right. even like mm -hmm. the suburban landowning whites. Um, and that was, that was a huge thing. Um, but yeah, you definitely can change things. What actually happened in the uh, last meeting um, that you were referencing is that uh, Lawrence Revel and um, Reese Goad, who they're on the city commission, that's the, uh, You're breaking the up a city little. manager. They tried to pull some real fuck shit where they were like, um, can you hear me now? Oh, yep. Maybe. Let's try it. Can you hear me now? I sure can. Yep. Okay. Um, and they were like, we're going to pass this mask ordinance, but it's only going to apply to gas stations and parking lots, and, and it's only going to be from the hours of like... Yep. I think it was 10 a.m. to 6 a.m., and it was just... Uh, it, it, it affected our, our African-American community more because, let's say, white college kids aren't generally oh, hanging out at gas stations. So right. what they were really parking lot parties on the south side. And in the middle of that commission meeting, mm -hmm. You're good. <clears throat> you trailed off, so I was just filling in for you. Exactly. <laughs> oh, all right, Sierra, we might have to let you go because it sounds like you're not doing so good. Exactly. <laughs> and so, um, and that was the thing. And so I was at the commission meeting. Oh, oh, there she goes. Lovely internet. But yeah, they, so know. they proposed something that just, it only affected the African-American community because college white kids aren't generally hanging out at the, on the South side in a gas station, having a party, you know what I mean? And right. Right. And just paying and, you know, attention and to the, what the black community does more than the white community. It might affect some white people, but it's based mainly to affect the black community. Right. You know, and, and here, you know, what I ended up, you know, when I wrote a letter to Inslee that, you know, the professional services industry ended up circulating around, it was, you know, it was clear that, you know, there wasn't any research done as to why they were rolling back a particular service, especially mm -hmm. when, you know, that, you know, that group of people is, you know, they have already a bunch of stringent health policies in place. And basically they just reenacted their protocols you know, a, you know, to include things like mask wearing and other PPE. Mm -hmm. And it didn't make any sense. But these other places that, you know, you don't have, you know, people trained in infectious disease protocol, you know, are allowed to be open, have multiple people inside of a building. It's like, where does this actually come from? This isn't actually coming from an issue of a health safety standpoint. Right. This is really about just like making it look like you're like trying to fix the problem. And it, you really weren't because the problem wasn't, you know, the professional services industry. There was no data showing that people are getting sick mm. at, you know, your barber or your hairstylist or your esthetician. Right. 
people are certainly getting sick at your bars and your restaurants and, you know, small gatherings that are or small and large gatherings that are definitely not masked or socially distant. Mm-hmm. So it's like, look, you know, I, I get wanting to be safe and secure in how you approach opening businesses. But when you go from nothing to open to, okay, well, I guess we're going to go back, but we don't have any data. Mm-hmm. But this other situation where it's like people are being documented getting sick at these locations and you're not doing anything to stop that. It's not about data or science or, or even health and safety. You're basically trying to make it look like you're solving a problem when you're really not. That's right. You're just guessing at it. Yeah. And, and even the CDC came out and, and stated that, you know, the biggest cause of spreader events is people going out to bars and restaurants and mm-hmm. house gatherings with, you know, with multiple people it's that are not master socially distant. And it's like, right. It's like, look, you know, when it comes to the bars and restaurants. You have a little bit more say the house stuff. You, I, you really don't. <laughs> no. And, and you know, I, I would say fuck you for trying. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, on that at that point, it's about trying to figure out how how people are going to you know, be held accountable for their actions. You know, much like Basically. politicians. Basically, if you get sick, then it was a bad mistake. If you didn't get sick, then you got lucky. I want to say though, people keep saying, "I'm so tired of this. I got COVID fatigue. I just want to move on." So do we. So do the yeah. people that wear masks. We do too. But it, it keeps going on. COVID keeps going on because of the people that aren't wearing masks. Look, 12 weeks, wear your mask, social distance, wash your fucking hands for 12 weeks. Then we find out in 14 days who was sick. We separate the people that were sick. We get them cured. And the people that aren't sick can go on with their lives. But if we keep mingling like this and we have the asymptomatic people walking around like they don't give a fuck, then, of course, it's going to bounce from the East Coast to the West Coast to the Midwest to the Sun Belt, and we're all fucked. You know, I've been wearing my mask, but I, mm-hmm. I've started going out to restaurants. But I believe that these small local places are able to do more for me than a Walmart. I don't trust Walmart to not have, be covered in COVID where I do trust somebody at a little Filipino restaurant, you know, to be Walmart can afford to not give a shit, but your, your small local business really can't, they can't weather another shutdown, right? They can't handle somebody coming in and saying, I got COVID at uh, the refined man, you know, the refined man, it, it, they need to be clean because they need every customer they get. Walmart, they exactly. Fuck, you know. You'll be back in. You'll be buying shit from them online and getting it shipped to your house. Mm-hmm. They don't care. You know, it's you know, I I applaud the the larger businesses that have stepped up and said, look, if you're going to shop here, this is the rule. Mm-hmm. Costco has Costco has done that. They're like, look, you know, we don't we can't afford employees being sick either. Right. I mean, and, and I keep telling people, it's like, you keep discounting, you know, what's going to happen with the number of people who they might be cured from COVID, but they are suffering from severe lasting health effects. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to those people when they can't go back to work and they're on permanent disability? It's like, it's like, I get that, you know, when it comes to the mortality rate, it's, you know, it's higher than the flu. Mm. The data shows it. It's not up for discussion. 
but it's the you know the difference between the flu and COVID is is that when most people get the flu, they recover just fine and they go back to work just fine. Right now, there are a bunch of people that have gotten COVID that months later have still not fully recovered, and you're seeing scarring on their lungs. You're you're seeing organ issues cropping up. And there's a real concern, at least, you know, from people who are really paying attention that that's going to be a heavy lift on the social security system because you're going to have a bunch of people on disability that's going to affect your grandparents who are on social security. That's going to affect the people who are already disabled on social security. Mm -hmm. It's like if, if your only judge is the mortality rate, you're missing the rest of the picture. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like you, you found the shirt from where's Waldo, but you haven't actually seen Waldo. That's right. And it's, and, and really it's Waldo in a bunch of pictures of Waldo. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think anytime your government starts using terms to refer to you like herd or population or mm-hmm. base, you have a problem because they are dehumanizing you. Mm-hmm. You're, you've become a number. Yes. You've become a statistic for them. You've, you, you're not, you, they, you're not their primary focus. Like this whole naturally acquired herd immunity discussion is just absolutely mind boggling to me. Cause I keep yeah. telling them, it's like, I, I tell people it's pre anti-vax bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's like, Herd immunity is a thing, yes. And there are two ways to do it. There's the naturally acquired way, which we're seeing how that's playing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so well. Um, but also, you know, especially when you're now we're starting to see cases of people getting reinfected. And there, you know, there are people that are ending up sicker than they were before or dead. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and there's not a lot of data yet, but it's starting to show itself. It's like two or three cases, right? Uh, four or five now Okay. around, um, that have been documented. I think we've only got two in the United States, Mm. um, but around the world. So, I mean, reinfection is possible and we're seeing a wide range of potential outcomes from being asymptomatic to dead. (laughs) So, yes. Um, but really the tail of the tape is going to be how many people end up permanently disabled because of this disease. How many businesses are going to lose workers because they're done. They're down for the count. How many, how many business owners are going to end up sick and down for the count and have to shutter their businesses because yep. they're permanently disabled. Yep. You know, if, if you're only going to go off of, yeah, this is this is my biggest problem as a data analyst is I see people get hyper focused on one or two things, mm-hmm. and you know really those one or two things yeah they're important, but they're important in the context of the entire picture. Yes, cases are skyrocketing. That happens, you know, and what you can expect is is that if cases skyrocket, the number of deaths are probably going to increase. Mm-hmm. I say that you know because balance of probability all of those people getting sick are going to come into contact with somebody who falls into that realm of being compromised, whether or not they've had it before or not. So when it finally reaches them, they're going to get sick as well. But the one thing that we don't know about because we simply have not had enough time is how many people are going to be unable to come back to work because of this disease. Mm -hmm. And 
And I think from my perspective, when you want to talk about what a financial burden looks like on a system, you've got the politicians who've already leveraged the hell out of social security and owe us for that. Mm -hmm. But now you're going to have a bunch of people who cannot work and are now going to have to draw on that system that is entirely leveraged. And I can't help but think that politicians aren't going to give a shit. They're still getting paid. That's right. But you know who isn't? The people that actually are using Social Security as their retirement or the people who are using it simply to survive because they can't go to work. Yeah. It is going to affect more people than I think people are willing to think about. You know, this was this was never about stopping the disease because right. that is a fool's errand with the amount of protective equipment we don't have. It was about slowing it down long enough to hit a different form of herd immunity, immunized herd immunity, yep. that involves a lot less bodies being thrown into refrigerator trucks. Right. And that's the great thing about this disease. And I know that's a tough thing to say, but but what we're learning just in our in our pharmaceuticals is is pretty great. We got these clone antibodies, we got we got steroids, we, we we're hearing about things that really work, but that's herd so herd immunity i talked to my infectious disease microbiologist friend mm -hmm. herd immunity has to happen all at once otherwise mm -hmm. it's just going to bounce back and forth but the like you said there there's another form of herd immunity and it's called vaccinations but mm -hmm. you can't know the effects a vaccination will have on somebody three years down the line if it hasn't been researched for three years. That's exactly. science. So what we're saying is there's a vaccine. We want this vaccine, but it's being tested on 3,000 people for a month. So what they know is a data set of 3,000 people over the course of time of a month, which means they know that it might not kill you for a month. So we don't mm -hmm. want we don't want this process rushed and you cannot rush time. <laughs> no. And and that's and and that's what people need to understand is is that you know there's always an inherent risk but you guess what if you're telling me that right now if I get covid there's a 1% chance I'm going to die across the board mm -hmm. versus if there's a vaccine out and it becomes a 1 in 600,000 chance. Oh yeah. I mean, I know which way I'm going to go because it's a calculated risk. But also, too, like, I think, you know, part of that calculation now has to be the understanding that I could be permanently disabled. Yes. And not worse. able to work. I, I have yeah. friends that say, I don't care if I die. And I say, yeah, but what if you care? Do you care if you're just disabled and left uh, a vegetable? You know, like death isn't isn't the end all be all, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I would say your, your, your best hope is, is that you, you're, you're asymptomatic or never get sick. Your next mm -hmm. best hope is dying. Yep. Everything in the middle really sucks. <laughs> well, everything in the middle is really uncertain. I would say, because we don't know if, you know, if all of these health issues that people are experiencing, if it's going to take a year, two years, five years to get over it or mm -hmm. and heal up, or if you just never heal up right. and that, that, that uncertainty right there needs to tell you the tale of the tape because you know, if I die, well that sucks, but I guess I'm not going into work tomorrow. Right. <laughs> but if I'm, but if I'm disabled and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to feed my family of four mm -hmm. on, on a disability check, yep. 
man, that's a, that's a level of pain that I don't want to know. Yes. And on a side note, you know, there's two parts to this, this politics thing. And I keep trying these, these contrasts because I saw something that said Joe Biden wanted to be, give people on social security and disability a raise, you know, like 1300 more bucks a month. And I was like, that brings me up from the poverty line, you know, but Donald Trump says, um, we're not sure if Medicare is legal. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? And like, people keep telling me he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. And I keep telling them he's putting it into the atmosphere of something I have to consider. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, no, he might not take away social security, but he said he was going to. And that means I have to protect myself from something that he said, even if he isn't going to do it. And that's more frustrating. Right. And that's, and that's really the, the struggle is, is that you put something out into the ether like that. There are people that will take that idea and grow it. And that's always the case. You know, do I have questions about whether it's the most effective system? Absolutely. Do I think that it needs to just disappear? No, <laughs> because what's going to what's going to take its place. The biggest problem that I've had is, is that this idea that, whenever we try to make a change from a governmental perspective, the idea is, is that we just cut it off and we turn something else on. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times it's, we cut it off and then something doesn't come back into play right. or we cut it off and we cut something else on and there hasn't been this time to implement over in the business realm. We don't do that. Right. <laughs> We, we, we phase out something and we implement something new. So that way we get up to speed with something before we cut off the old thing. Mm -hmm. So that way we don't have these service outages. You, the whole point is, is that your experience should be seamless and you shouldn't feel there. There shouldn't be a lot of people feeling the pain of a new system. Mm -hmm. Like for example, you know, with my idea with, a national HSA system versus a Medicare, Medicaid you know, mm -hmm. system like that. The idea is, is that there would be a transition period where people start, you know, contributing, saving money and getting to the point where they can use a cash based system. You shouldn't have to say that, well, I guess I'm just going to pick the most pressing thing for this six months to go see the doctor on. <laughs> right. You should be able to sit down and say, okay, I've got five things that are really impacting my life mm -hmm. and have the doctor say, okay, well, for the a lot of the time that you have, let's let's address two or three right now and we'll get another appointment set up, you know, as soon as we can to start working on the other ones. You know, and being able to pay for that in a way that makes it cheaper you know, cash is always going to make it cheaper. Mm -hmm. Having fewer middlemen is always going to make it cheaper, yes. you know, but there's also the understanding too, that there is no greater power at leveraging than the federal government. That's right. <laughs> you know, every individual business can say all they want that they have, you know, all these great contracts. But the reality is, is, is that if there's one agency that is negotiating the price of all medications for everybody mm -hmm. versus you know, 10,000 different agencies, in, you know, you know, creating their own pricing metrics. Right. I mean, it doesn't take a business person to figure out that one very powerful entity is going to be a lot better than 10,000 smaller ones. Yes. And I, I was talking to my friend about this and we, we were talking about how the healthcare system and what we came to a conclusion to was that yes, an MRI costs $15,000. 
but that's basically because 14 people could not afford their MRIs. And mm-hmm. they went back to the system. So a big part of the system being cheaper would be more people being able to afford it. Well, it, more people being able to afford it. And I would also say, too, that an MRI costs 14000 you know, you know 1400 bucks because you go in, you get your MRI done. And on average, it takes 90 to 120 days for the office to get paid. Mm. And even then... Even then, they get paid at a specific reimbursement rate. Right. And so in order for them to make up those costs of being 90 to 120 days out, plus the real cost, your bill is $1,400. When in all reality is that if you had an HSA system and you could afford to go in, your MRI might actually only be eight or 900 bucks. Exactly. Or cheaper. Or cheaper. I mean, that's. I mean, once the equipment is paid for, I understand they're upgrading their equipment. But once the equipment is paid for, much like a drug, I think, like insulin, once once that's paid for, once the research and development is paid for, the the price should go down. So you might be able to find a hospital that's paid their MRI off, and it might be two hundred dollars. And I'd like the idea of that. But there has to be accountability in a system mm. that there is no transparency in and no right of transparency. Well, and, and that's, I think that's, that, number one, that's by design because mm. let's face it, the government, they get their money. The insurance agencies, they get their money. The hospitals, they're now required by law, by federal law, to post their charge master on their on their websites. Mm. So they have to show you what their prices are. But having worked in the hospital system, let me tell you something about that charge master. Unless you're a doctor or a coder, you, the American public, are not going to understand what the hell that means. And that does not necessarily, and, and what the thing is, is like, it's, you know, because the American public is like, oh, well, I went in to go see the doctor about a cold or, you know, you know, I've been coughing up some stuff in my lungs. What you're not going to realize is there's like five different codes that are probably associated with you coughing stuff up and they bill based on those codes. It's called mm. an ID, uh, uh, IT10, I think is what it is, or an ID10 form. And, uh, or yeah, something like that. And basically it's the Medicare code and it's part of the Medicare coding system, but it's, it's a general hospital coding system. So that way uh, you you basically are saying, okay, well, if you have an issue with your index finger, here's the code for that. And there's, you know, like, for example, there's like, there's like 15 different codes for, you know, an issue that you might have with your, your right femur. (laughs) Or a running Exactly. And, and so you, you know, as the general public, you're not going to understand what the hell any of that means. And, And the hospitals, they made that very clear. It's like, the public isn't going to know what this means. They're not going to know. It's like, oh, yeah, no, I totally need to go in for a 990801. Yeah. They're not doctors. They're not coders. They don't know what the hell they need. They know that they've got a cough and a cold, and they probably need a Z-pack. Right. But if they that had doesn't come, tell you. <laughs> if they had come in complaining about a 909802, it might have been cheaper. 
if they had known the codes, they would be able to come in and say, oh, I'm going to use this code instead of this code. You know what I Yeah, mean? but then you got those people that's like, oh, no, it's totally a 909-802. And then the, the physician gets looking at it, and it's like, no, no, no. That is, you're complaining about having an issue in your ribs, and that's <laughs> what you're complaining about is your spine at your butt. Right. <laughs> like, so, so even then, like your general, your general everyday person isn't going to understand that mm -hmm. and posting that while it's supposed to be this era of transparency it doesn't do anything for the general the general american public it right. it it's this fake idea of transparency but really with an air of if you can't dazzle them with wit baffle them with bullshit Yes, because I think everything that we want to know about is a different language. Everything that that needs mm -hmm. transparency is just, yeah, it's written in a different way. Policies and laws are made with terminologies that are, are that are used to split hairs and to keep it vague, but make it seem like an exacting thing. You know, I would, and I would say in this case, it is very much an exacting thing, simply because it is. All across the board, it'll, it is well defined. Each of these, each of these codes is very defined and very specific. Sure, but and, it's, and it's coming a, in vague. It's coming oh, in yeah. vague, and it's being filtered into specifics without our knowledge. That's the problem, and we have to depend on the person, the people between us and the bill to mm -hmm. protect us as best they can. Look, I have a doctor. I'm paying $1,500 for a medication. She says, well, why isn't it working? And I tell her I can't take it because I can't afford it. She comes back with five medications that cover everything that I've been doing for $85. Now, mm -hmm. that doesn't happen unless you have a communication line with your physician, and that physician cares enough to not try and push the latest drugs to get the kickbacks. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and, and you also have to have a system that cares enough to, number one, understand what your financial needs are. Yes. But number two is, is technically capable enough to understand that, you know, you might not be able to take that one drug, but you can take these five drugs that don't interact and are going to mm -hmm. help you deal with the problem. And, and I think even in rural settings, you've seen that issue where it's like, they'll throw plenty of medications at the problem, but then not when all the other side effects start cropping up there, they just don't have the resources to be able to sit down and say, okay, here's the problem. Mm -hmm. You're on five medications. The reason why you have to take, why we wanted you to take the one is because now you don't have all of these other side effects. Right. And the, you know, we're trusting Walgreens or CVS to tell us about interactions. That's where it's come down to because we don't have that line of communication with our doctor. Although I want to say, that COVID is really bringing about this video technology. Mm -hmm. I love the idea, and I wish we would expand on it. I keep saying I wish our doctors were on Facebook. Well, I wish they I, could see our posts. I wish that we could reach out to our doctors in a more meaningful way and just so they could monitor us in a more meaningful way. I, I love the idea of it. Well, that's and that's why I said, you know, broken clock is right, twi uh, is right twice a day. Mm -hmm. And and Trump got this one right about opening up telehealth as much as possible. To me, there is no reason why, you know, you should have your doctor's office, you should have urgent care, you should have emergency care 
and a thousand different specialists that you have to go into brick and mortar stores for. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you need to go in for something, it should be because you either have to have something physically looked at and and touched. You have to get some type of sample taken. But you know, for the, for most things, for most general things, you shouldn't need to go in and actually physically see a doctor. Right. But that, and that's, but that's what we're paying for right now is because, you know, urgent care is a $150 visit because you can't get into your primary doctor to go, mm-hmm. you know, to go say, Hey, I got a cold. It shouldn't cost you 150 bucks to say a cold. It shouldn't cost you a hundred bucks to say you got a cold. That's right. Telehealth is now bringing it down to be, you know, 40 bucks, 50 bucks, depending on your insurance. Sometimes it's even completely covered under your insurance. Yep. So that way you can just be like, Hey, I got a cold. All right. Here's a $10 Z pack. Yep. Yep. You know, that's there. So, so I will say that is one of the very, very few things that he's gotten right. <laughs> I don't even and, know if and he that, got it right. I just think it, hap- it happened under his watch. I, dude, I don't think the guy's smart enough to pay attention oh, to hell fucking no. telehealth, but I think that he's surrounded with conservative Republican Some establishment people, people who know things. You know what I mean? I would say, I would say he's surrounded by, people whose constituents need the benefit of telehealth because of where they live in rural communities. And it's yes. been a big push for us in rural communities. And this brought about the idea that, you know, maybe this isn't just for rural communities. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is for the people who are mobility impacted. Me. Yeah. I mean, I'm so, legally blind and my doctor was like, well, we need to see you. And I was like, why do you need to see me? And she was like, well, would you rather video teleconference? I was like, I don't drive. Yes. Even without COVID, I would much rather tele- like exactly. telehealth, you know? Exactly. And, and on top of that, you know, you, that, that keeps people out of waiting rooms and potentially getting somebody else sick yes. with the same crap that you've got. Because let's face it, they're like, oh, here's a mask for your pleasure before COVID. Nobody fucking wore those things. Are no. you kidding? Mm-mm. Only Japan. <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> So, I mean, the reality is, is that this does affect people and it will help. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, wow, we went a long way. (laughs) But we can't, we have to be proactive about our own health. I think a lot of people, I'm going to say this to wrap up because it's it's something Mm -hmm. I think is really important. Simple minds don't understand big problems. So they mm-hmm. ignore them, they avoid them, or they hate them so that they don't have to think about them. Yep. And that means you're not getting the specific things that you want. You're just hoping for them. And we need to be proactive. And it gets easier the more we do it. When we start something, it's hard. The more we do it, the easier it gets. So we need to start somewhere. Whatever, whatever it is on your mind, tackle it in small ways until you are more confident to do bigger things. Exactly. You know, and you might not be able to take it on all by yourself, but I guarantee you that there's more than one person out there that probably feels the same way that you do and feels Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's got to be a way to hold all of this accountable to see where everything is at. Mm -hmm. Because, in the end, we can't be doing this reactive four-year cycle. Uh-uh. It's not working. No. It's not working for the people. Yes. It's working for people who bankroll the politicians. It is not working for the people. And until 
we're sitting down with that checklist of what our elected officials said that they're going to do mm-hmm. and understanding why they're not getting their job done. We're either just going to assume that they're idiots yep. or that they're bought off. Yep. And I'm of the mindset of why not both? <laughs> it could be, but it could be neither. It could be the fact that we exactly. are not communicating with them and they're helping a different constituent. Look, they're, they're listening to businesses because we're not talking to them. But if you took all of the businesses and all of the politicians and put them on one side of the country, there's 360 million of us, you know? Mm. And so there's more of us. We can, 10 people can monitor one politician, you know, we can, mm. we can pay attention to Coke donations. You know what I mean? We can, and I like Coke, mm-hmm. you know, the, what they're mm-hmm. doing with their bottle designs and making them environmentally friendly hats off to Coke. You know what I mean? You know, and, and, and that comes from people wanting change, you know, mm-hmm. that, that comes from all the, you know, all the people speaking out and saying, Hey, you know what? We're tired of this. I mean, like, like we found out, you know, the plastic bottle being recyclable was one of the biggest lies that we've been fed. They were never going to be recycled. Right. Turns out. And so, you know, that's just one thing. Luckily, you know, when it comes to being a consumer, we can vote with our wallets and say, Hey, you know, we're not going to buy a Coke until they actually come up with a, a recyclable product, mm-hmm. whether they go back to the glass bottle, whether they come up with a bioplastic that degrades, you know, in a commercial, you know, mm-hmm. um, composter. That's, you know, where we're at. And that's what, that's what they're looking to do with their Aquafina water bottles. And I think that, I just think it's so cool. A bottle that disintegrates. Mm-hmm. I don't know Absolutely. how you do it. I don't know how you do it, but I'm really proud that they're trying. And I, you got to support businesses that are trying like that as well. You have to not support businesses that are supporting politicians that are doing things that you don't like. So find out who's donating to these politicians like a Mitch McConnell and avoid those businesses and let those businesses know on Facebook and Twitter that you're not going to support them because of this. And if you do that and 10,000 other people do that because they're doing the same thing, these businesses will start seeing you as the dollars that they're losing instead of mm-hmm. the dollars that they're, they're hiding. And, and, and that's, and the same thing has to happen with, you know, with, with these politicians this is mm-hmm. that you know we the people you know we can visually see when a company is hurting because of their policy mm-hmm. we can't tell when a politician is hurting because of a lack of votes until they've lost an election yeah but but if we have a way to visually see what there's what they've agreed to do versus mm-hmm. what they're getting done then you know when they're when they're up against that metric that performance metric and we look at them and go you didn't get the job done. I'm not voting no. for you. Nope, you're I'm a nice voting guy, for your replacement. You didn't do it. You know, and that's and 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 so we may not necessarily have the money, mm-hmm. but we've got technology on our side, and there and and we can spread that information far and wide, or within our city. That's right. But start small. Start local. Work your way up to a professional level. Exactly. (laughs) All right. You got to get to work. I got some stuff to do, but thanks for being here, Jeffrey. Awesome. Glad to be here. No problem. That was a good, that was a good session. It was, it was a really good session. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm just going to wrap up. So it's up to you whether you want to stay. Well, I got to get going, but 
get out there and vote. I love it. Get out there and vote. I'll talk to you later. We'll see you. <laughs> that was my conversation with Jeffrey. We do this every week. You can find our episodes on Saturday mornings at 12 midnight Saturday. Uh, these episodes come out along with other episodes from our network. You can find Public Access America on Apple Podcasts. You can find them on Spotify. You can find them on Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, Player FM, and everywhere that you look for your podcast. You can even ask your Google technology to, to play us. I don't know how to do it. I don't want to say it because last time I said it, Google actually responded. But ask your Alexi. Ask your Alexis, ask your Google, ask your devices to play the latest episode of Public Access America. Thanks for listening to our rambling conversations. We will be back next week, and I hope you had fun with this one. Thank you, Sierra, for joining us. Thank you, Jeffrey, for being a part of it, and thank you for listening to the latest episode of Public Access America. Love you. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek security. We support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. Place. And I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Ask not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. I, poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things about Depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome to Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. We wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Podcast, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Potable, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.